as well. We've been talking about uh, this whole year, each one reach one. That's going to be our theme um, for, for quite a while, uh, talking about evangelism. And, and now we've gone into the, the idea of discipleship and talking about uh, what it means to be a disciple, um, how we disciple, what the church's role in discipleship is. And we started talking about the parable of the sower. And we've been on this for a couple weeks now. And uh, I want to read this to you, and then we'll uh, get in and, and uh, try to make some more progress on looking at this uh, parable. Proverbs, uh, Matthew chapter 13, beginning of verse 1. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly <clears throat> since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. Uh, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. And drop down to verse 18. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one along the path. <clears throat> the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Talked about the purpose of the church in the Great Commission. Talking about discipleship. I've, I've said that discipleship is the lost art of the church today because... Uh, we're, we're very much very good at entertainment, very good at uh, drawing a crowd many times, but not good at following up, not good at um, growing people. And, and therefore, we have very shallow Christians. And today, if you, um, as we've gone through this, uh, maybe you've seen yourself in one of these soils. It, every one of us falls into one of those four categories. Understand that. Every one of us falls into one of those four categories when it comes to where we are spiritually. And you can still be a follower of Jesus and be going to church and still fall into one of these categories. It doesn't mean that you've walked away completely. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it means that you become lukewarm and the, 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 the power of your, your faith just doesn't take you anywhere. We talked about the church's role and the church's role in the Great Commission is to make disciples. It's to equip and train believers. It's to provide, explain, and even manufacture opportunities and to support our members in any way we can. We've talked about um, effective discipleship programs and how it's um, a circle of life. Once you accept Christ and you get into discipleship and you grow, then it's your responsibility to reach out to others and help them grow. And it's your responsibility to reach out to those outside the church, those that don't know Jesus as their Savior, and bring them in and, and, and uh, provide them the opportunity to, to meet Jesus where, where they're at. And the cycle continues, and a healthy church will be continuously discipling its people and reaching people with the gospel. And we talked about this parable and how it is a parable of discipleship. 
So we got into the soils, and remember the first one was the wayside soil, or the soil along the path, and we said that soil was, was unbelievers, people that have never accepted Jesus Christ. They heard, but the word was taken out. The seed was taken out of their life right away. Can I say this? Can I make this observation? As a Christian, I mean, as a, as a churchgoer, not as a Christian, as a churchgoer, this can be you. You can go to church, be faithful in church. You can even be active in church, but not believe what is preached. Not believe what the Bible teaches. This is what's happening in our, in our, church, to, in our church community today. We're, we're becoming so overwhelmed with what is going on in society and allowing society to come into and invade our thought process. And we're allow, allowing people to logically sway us from what we believe. We have an entire generation of young people, an entire generation my age, who don't truly, truly believe the Bible is 100% accurate and 100% true. Those are que that's a question you need to ask yourself. Do I truly believe what the Bible has to say? Because there are some hard truths that you have to accept as a follower of Jesus that are just true. And if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to say you believe him, you have to accept that. But a lot of times people are coming to church and they just like being in church and they like what's going on in church and they like the music and they like the things going on and they, they want friends. So they're in church and they hear the word, but it never takes root and Satan is taken out. That may be you. And if you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your savior and asked him into your heart, then that is you. Even though you go to church, even though you are active in church. Listen, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you, and that embarrasses you or makes you uncomfortable, and you're trying to hide that, please don't. Please don't. Please don't ever let um, the fear of exposure, please don't ever let pride keep you from accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's the greatest decision you'll ever, it's the most important decision you could ever make in your life, to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Savior. See, sometimes... It's not that life is such a great struggle and you have such difficulty dealing with the problems of life. Sometimes it's the fact that you don't have Jesus in your heart and you're trying to fight the battle on your own and you've never, ever truly received him as your savior. I know I've had pastors, pastor friends, that, fall, that fell into that category. And they grew up in a Christian home and they went to college. They loved the idea of the church. They loved everything about it, but they never truly accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. So the wayside, so wayside soil are people that never accepted Christ. Then we talked about the rocky soil. We finished this up last week. And that's um, people who accept Jesus Christ to follow for a while, but they, and they get involved and start learning. But the, the change that that comes over us and the change that we really need to go through if we're going to be followers and be true disciples of Jesus is something they couldn't handle, something they weren't willing to go through, something they wouldn't give up. This is normally the kind of Christian that walks away from the church. This is, uh, th this is the kind of Christian who normally walks away because they don't, they don't, it's not that they don't always feel the need to change, they don't want to change. Maybe that's you. Maybe you hear some things and you hear some things from the, 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 that are preached or they're taught at a Bible study or you hear it on the radio or, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart and you're so, you're so adamant about this is the way I've always been. 
And you ever heard somebody say this? Maybe you've said it yourself. This is the way God made me. And if God wants to change me, he will. You know, that is such a, let me just be honest, that's a statement of arrogance and pride. God wants to change you. There's no doubt about that. God wants to change you. And God is working to change you every day of your life. How do I know that? Because he's working to change me every day of my life. But you just don't want it. And that's this kind of Christian. They don't want the change. They truly don't want to give up the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to work on them about giving up and changing and and adding to. So they get frustrated and they get discouraged and they walk away. And we said that what we need to do to reach them is to early intervention in their lives as Christ, in, their, in their walk with the Lord and get them plugged in as quickly as possible so that we can help them through the difficult times. Can I just make this observation? We're all going to go through difficulty. If you weren't a Christian, here's a bombshell for you. If you weren't a Christian, if you weren't a follower of Jesus, you'd still go through tough times. Everybody's going to go through difficulties in their lives. That's just a part of living. The difference we have as Christians is we have a hope and a faith to rely on, to lean on, and to help us through. And that's what uh, be, that's the, the best part about being a Christian when you're going through difficult times. So we have to really connect with them and help them through those times. That brings us to the third soil. And I kind of gave you a little teaser last week, starting this one on. The third soil is the thorny soil. These people accept Jesus and they follow for a while. Now, let me just give you this breakdown of the thorny soil. I believe this is where most, if we're going to struggle with our faith, I believe this is the soil that most of us fall into. If you are not a good ground Christian, the fourth one that we'll talk about, if you're not flourishing in your life and growing and and active and doing great things for God in your life, this is probably where the majority of us find ourselves, the thorny ground, especially in America. Because as Christians in America, there are so many other opportunities for us in our lives. There is so much that so much pressure that we put on ourselves in, in life. Um, in America now, I mean, <laughs> how many young people today think they're worthless if they don't have a college degree, right? Seriously, don't have a college degree. How am I going to feed my family? I don't know. How about driving a truck, Charlie? Huh? Make, a, make a really good living driving a truck. How about being an electrician? You don't have to. You may have a college degree, but you don't have to have one, Right? There's all kinds of ways that you can find value and, and, and that the value of your life. Man, my gosh, starting your own business, having your own business, right? I mean, all kinds of stuff. You don't have to go to college to be successful and to make a good living and take care of your family. That's a lie. But we make people feel less than what they are because we, and, and then, of course, I mean, let's just make a social commentary. Then we add on over $100,000 worth of debt. Come on, man. We, have, we place such expectations on people just because of our society, just because of our culture. And that, 
There's no way that we can avoid that bleeding over into the church. And people come to church and they come to know Christ and they follow for a while. And they really get into it. They start learning and they start understanding. But then, man, we start hitting the, the lessons about the rich young ruler. We start hearing the lessons about the, the teachings about greed and the teachings about um, money not being your God. And, and uh, that, how about this one? If you love your family more than me, you're not worthy of me. And we start hearing those teachings about true sacrifice in our lives and giving up what we hold dear, so dear as human beings. And it starts to shake our faith. And it starts to make us question whether we really are cut out. And not, not just whether we're cut out for it, whether we really, okay, let's be honest, whether we really want to follow that way. Right? This just isn't for me. Just as remember, we had an individual uh, family coming here years ago. Came for a while, and man, things just started. They had their own business, and things just started going south. And breakdowns and vehicles, and, and they, they couldn't run their business because vehicles were breaking. It was just, just a mess. I remember, got an email. It said, we love your church. We love the vibe, family and people of the 60s and 70s, right? We love the vibe of your church. We love everything about it. And this is, this is the truth, man. But I didn't have these problems until I started going to church. So we just can't follow. I've never had anybody else in my life be so blunt with their reason and so honest, so brutally honest. And I'd, I'd get choked up because I get it. But what I get even more is what you're missing. What you're losing out on if you're not willing to truly follow Jesus and forsake everything and follow him. That's the thorny ground, people. What's their issue? They become distracted by life, by work, by pleasure, by success, by pursuits other than church and kingdom-based activities. To boil it down, they, they have success problems, they have priority issues, and there's a lack of balance in their lives. Listen, I, there is nothing wrong with outside pursuits. There's nothing wrong with having a career that you love and pursuing that career with passion. There's nothing wrong with having your kids involved in community activities. Man, this afternoon, yesterday we had a baseball game at 1030 Got a baseball game today at 3.30. We had tomorrow, we're off. But Tuesday, got a baseball game at 6. They're seven years old, man. It's crazy. I love it, but it's crazy, right? And they had a, a, a birthday party yesterday. And it's this really cool place in Wilbraham. It's uh, like an indoor um, obstacle course. I would, like, die on it. But uh, some of you younger or more whatever. You, it looks like a lot of fun. So they were there all day. It was a good time. There's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with pursuing the things of life. In fact, you need to, to survive, to make a living, to provide for your family. The difference is, the, 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 the key is that you need to find balance between those things. And I found 
that what I need to do is understand this. Life is ministry, and ministry is life. Everything I do in my life is an opportunity for one, for me to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Well, how do I do that at work? Well, man, I, put, I give my very best effort when I go to work. I give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. I treat my customers right. I do my best to please them because they're paying me to do their hair, right? I, I uh, not me. <laughs> Although if you could do something about this, you know. But we work and we, we, we don't cut corners. We don't undermine and we don't get involved in the gossip. We don't get involved in the mutinies at work that go on. We don't get involved in the cliques. And we truly give our good, solid effort at work. And with the people we get to know, we build friendships and relationships with people, not because we're lonely, not because we want to be part of the in crowd, but because we bear the name of Jesus Christ and every opportunity to meet a person and to reach out to them is an opportunity to show Jesus in some way. Remember we went back to, you go back to the first soil, the how do we reach the lost? By being salt and light. So at work, you work and you're salt and you're light. And you reach out to people and you help them out and you build those relationships that bring them together with you. And when tragedy comes in their life, and it will, because you've built that relationship, you've built that bridge, you have that the coin in your pocket, as we say, they come to you. See, that's, that's how we get our priorities right when it comes to the workplace, in the home. Man, we're... we're we live in the home the way the Bible teaches us to live in the home. As a father, gentlemen, we lead our home spiritually. As a mother, we, we lead our home if we need to spiritually. We, 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 we make sure that Jesus is number one in our homes, in our marriages, before it ever comes to our children. In our marriage, we love each other like Jesus loved us. What does that mean? Sacrificially. Listen, Aaron and I are a blended family. It's tough. It's very, very difficult. Ask Zach. He's part of that. It's very difficult. Zach went from being my only son to now having two little brothers who adore him. They think he's amazing. They think the, world, the sun rises and sets on Zach. I try to tell him differently, but... Uh, but but that, <laughs> but nonetheless, that is a dynamic that we have to work through. I can't just ignore it. I have to work through it. And I have to lead my home in such a way that, that we, we, we bridge those gaps and build those uh, ladders we need to to reach the heights that we need to reach to. And we have to make it work. Why? Because we want the blessing of God on our home and in our lives. Aaron works hard. Works hard. I mean, not only are we blended, we have adoption in our home. And that's a whole different dynamic. But we work on it according to the word of God by instituting biblical principles. We love each other like Jesus loved us. Doesn't mean... I don't ever get on her nerves and that she doesn't want to like 
throw me through the window once in a while because I can be a little irritating. MMA fighter versus boxer, right? Who will win? Um, folks, we work on it. And we, we work to institute and implement those biblical standards and, and principles in our home. Why? So that we will grow and we will prepare and present a home that truly loves Jesus, that doesn't put on airs. And then when we come to church, we come here and we honestly and truly get involved. We don't just sit on the outskirts and look. We get involved. You may not be able to teach, may not even be what, may, may not be what you're called to do. The nursery may not be your thing. But hey, man, there's a lot of different things we have going on here. There's a lot of different needs here. But you get involved. You get behind. And it may, I mean, we say this a lot. It may not be your thing. You may not, it may not be your taste, the kind of stuff that we do here all the time. The worship might not be your kind of deal. But you get in here and you do it and you get involved anyway. Because it's not one little thing that should push you away from a church. It's not one little thing that should keep you from serving God. Yet, in today's society, that's exactly what happens. We become distracted. And what happens is when we, we become distracted, you may have started growing in your faith, but now all these distractions come about and you stop growing in your faith. You ever get to a point in your life where, I'll use math for an example. I, was a, I loved math as a kid. I loved it. It was a, I loved numbers. I loved statistics. It was ba baseball, very much baseball to me. Statistics, working out batting averages. I used to sit, um, I used to sit with the paper the day after, and I'd look at the batting averages of the guys from the day before, and I'd take, I'd look at the box score, what they did in the game that night, and I'd figure out what their new batting average is. I used to love that. I just, it, those kind. I loved, I loved math. And all the way up through my freshman year into, through algebra, I loved it. And then we hit geometry. Can I tell you something, man? I hate geometry. I, with a passion. With a passion, I hate geometry. And I hit geometry, and I, I've said this before in a sermon, I got my lowest test score ever in my life. How in the world do you get a 19 on a test score. I got 19, man. 19 in geometry. But I still passed. I don't know how I passed geometry, but I got through it. But that's where I stopped growing in math. That's it. I hit that wall. And I, you know what? You don't want me to be honest? I didn't want to put in the work. I didn't want to put in the effort. I didn't want to sit down with that 73-year-old teacher who quoted postulates and theorems from memory. I didn't want to put in the work. Why? Because, I'm just being honest, man, math came, yes, my parents, math came too easy to me all through my life. And I hit geometry, and it was a wall. And it was going to take hard work for me to get through it, and I didn't want to do the work. That's just the honest truth. Sometimes that's exactly what happens to us in church, isn't it? Exactly what happens to us in our faith. We start growing, we start learning. Man, this is great stuff, this is good, God's blessing, and, and I'm meeting all these people, and this church is so great, we're just having a great time here. Boom. Boom. You start hitting that wall of, of sacrifice. You start hitting that wall of, 
wait a minute. And we don't talk about this a lot, so, so don't get angry with me, okay? I'm just being real honest here. We hit that, that, that lesson where the Bible says, hey, your finances, that's something you need to give to God too. Your, your money, that's something you need to trust to God too. And that church that doesn't manufacture anything, doesn't sell anything, it just relies on the free, loving, free will offerings of the people that go there, they need a sacrifice from me to keep the doors open, to keep the lights on. So, wow. I, and I know, hey, why did I hit that? Because money is one of the top three reasons people leave a church. We don't talk about it a lot here because I think it's something that you grow into. But it's a fact of the matter. And that's, that's, why some peop, that's why a lot of people just stop going. They always talk about money. No, that's the only time you really listen. Seriously. Seriously. Am I, am I right or wrong? That's absolutely true. The only time your ears really perk up is when you hear the pastor talk about money. He talks about a whole lot of other things. Listen, I, I, I've preached one series. Cliff has been here the entire time I've been the pastor. I've preached one series that was a month long on giving. One series in 17 years. But that's when people's ears perk up. Always, oh, all he wants is my money. No, that's okay. <laughs> if you want to give me your money, I'm, I'm open to it. But that's not what we're here for. I worked, I, I was, a, I, I worked two jobs, this job and another job for a long, long time um, to keep from, from having to, to take money from the church. And I'll, I'm fine to do that again. Money is not what I'm here for. But those kind of things, what you hold dear are what we struggle with. We struggle with your relationship with Jesus Christ being the most important relationship in your life. It's what you really need to work on. In your marriage, I'll tell you, there's, there's two bits of advice I give, um, I, I, would, I would give blanketly to young husbands today, okay? And it's because I deal with this so much. Two things. First of all, make Jesus first in your life and in your marriage. Make your relationship with Jesus first in your life and in your marriage. And secondly, leave other women alone. Leave other women alone, okay? Ah, you know what? She's my work wife. You cannot be that stupid. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. She's my work wife. <laughs> I, yeah, okay, good. Good for you. Good for you. That's why you get raw eggs for dinner. I don't know, man. Come on. Seriously. But we start getting these, these kind of the, the sacrifices that have to be made in order to progress. Listen, you don't have to make those sacrifices to be a follower, to, to be a, a, a believer in Jesus and have Jesus in your heart. Once you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are saved. You are saved and, and you are, you're on your way to heaven. But what we're talking about is growing in the Lord. And that's what we're talking about with the, with the soils here. These are people who stopped growing stopped producing fruit. Or these people, Jesus said, they never produced fruit. Why? 
Because the cares of life, the desires of life became too much and overwhelmed. And they were not willing to make certain sacrifices in their lives that were required. I'd uh, had this happen a couple of times. People say, well, you know what? I'd come to church, but it's right during family dinner. My family doesn't go to church. And we have, we have Sunday dinner at 12 o'clock every Sunday. And I can't go, be, I, I can't go to church. How about you just show up for church and then make it for dessert? Oh, you don't know my family, but I know my God. And I know what the Bible has to say. And if you're willing to put a family dinner before your growth and your service as a Christian, then you're not really wanting to grow. You're not really wanting to make the sacrifices that are required of you to become the person you need to become. We all have those situations in our lives. I, I can't stand up to my family because they wouldn't talk to me anymore. Sometimes for some of us, that would be a real blessing, right? I'm just, just kidding. Uh, but we need to understand that following Jesus requires changes in your life. Not just sacrifices, but changes in your life. If you're truly going to get, become fruitful, if you're truly going to grow and become part of kingdom building in a church, there's going to have to be a shift of priorities. But this is where many people stop and fall away because they don't want to. It's not because you can't, because you don't want to. I don't want, listen, this is the way I've always been. Seven last words of a dying church. We've never done it this way before. Maybe the seven last words of a, a Christian who walks away. I've never done it that way before. I don't want to change. I don't want to change. Remember, I've, I've talked to pastors, and, and uh, some we've, we've said this in Bible studies before. I've talked to pastors before, and they've asked me why, why I do the things I do, why we do the things the way we do them at, at New Life. And I said, well... You know, the Bible tells me this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, and they get really heated. They get very upset. And the response, and this happened for several guys. I don't care what the Bible says. Oh, wait a minute, man. You're a pastor. How do you, how do you say that? I don't care what the Bible says. No, you don't want to change. You just don't want to change. That's all that. And you know what? Here's the sad thing. Just a couple little changes are all it will take. Just a couple little changes are all it would take for people to really start growing, for people to start understanding what Jesus wants to do in your life. So anyway, these people don't produce any mature fruit. So how do we reach them? How do we reach people who are struggling to make the decision between the things of the world and the things of Jesus? First of all, I think we need to understand, as I said at the beginning of this, you can have both. Okay? You can have both. It's just a matter of priorities. Now, what you can't have is the love of money and the love of Jesus. Because, as we'll see here in, in a verse, uh, a love of success more than the love of... Because the Bible says you can't serve two masters. 
But when you make Jesus your master and you follow him and he becomes your priority, all of these things fall into line. He says, I'll add all these blessings to you. I'll give you everything you need. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'll make your home successful. I'll make your family successful. Doesn't mean you won't struggle. Doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. Don't, doesn't mean you won't uh, have even disagreements in the home. But if you truly understand what I mean by putting me first and following me, then you will truly understand what it means to have a successful walk in your home. First thing we have to do to reach these thorny soil people is this, discipleship. Discipleship. We need to have a discipleship plan. We're starting to work on a new discipleship program. We want our, I've talked about this uh, a lot. We want our discipleship program to be be one that people want to be part of. We're going to break it up into smaller, smaller groups. Uh, so the smaller lesson, groups of lessons so you can actually go through something and learn those and put them into practice in your life. And when you're ready, we'll take you through step number two so that you can keep growing and keep adding. You want people to be able to crawl and walk before they run, right? But we really need to connect everybody as much as possible with discipleship because we all need it. We all need, and, and if you've been through basic discipleship, you've been through Bible studies, and you've, even if you've been to, to Bible college, man, there's still a lot of growing to do. There's a whole lot more to do. So we have Bible studies to accommodate people at every level. No matter where people are, we need to have people who are willing to be discipled, and we as a church need to be ready to disciple them. Need to have a plan in place. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Look at that word up there. Up there. I've got a screen back there, by the way, just in case you didn't know that. A living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. That's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough word. It's a tough word to hear. And it's a tough word to put into practice. What Jesus wants you to do is come to the altar of your life and lay yourself on it and say, God, here I am. With all my bruises, with all my bumps, with all my warts, with all my faults, with, all, with everything that I have, all my, all my good stuff and all my bad stuff, all the junk in the trunk and all the victories that I've had. Jesus, I bring it all to you. And I am honestly and sincerely laying my life down here and saying, God, there's nothing that's off limits. A lot of times what we're afraid of is he's going to deal with those big, tough, horrible issues, right? Right off the bat. He's going to make, man, he's going to make me do these. He's going to make me change all this. He's going to make me give all this up. He's going to make me change who I am right off the bat. All he wants is you to be willing. God is not, God's not mean, and he will lead you along the healthiest growth path for your life to get you where you need to go. He's not going to overburden you with changes in your life that you're not ready to handle. What he wants to know is, are you willing to walk the path with me? Are you willing to go down the road? Can we, can we start a relationship that is beneficial for you and your growth? Are you willing to work on some things? Because we'll get get to the other stuff eventually, but we need to start with these basic things. 
We need to start with these basic things. So he says, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true worship. This is your true worship. You want to worship Jesus Christ? Listen, this is a form of worship, but this isn't all worship is. We are to live a life of worship. Live a life every day of sacrificial worship and offering to Jesus Christ. Worship him in the way you work. Worship him in the way you talk. Worship him in the way you drive. Worship him in the way you do anything. That's your true worship. What you do outside of this place. We calculated it on on Wednesday night. We had a math teacher here. Chrissy was here. And we talked about it. For those of you who are at the Bible study. And Chrissy figured it out for us. If you spend two hours a week in church, that means you spend 99% of your life outside of church. Wow. So what part of your walk with the Lord do you think you need to work more on? How to be a good Christian within the church? Or how to live your faith effectively outside the church? See, that's what this is all about. This is to, this is to strengthen, to encourage, to, to feed you. But then you need to learn other things because out there, that's where you spend most of your time. And we need to know how to take what we learn in here and live it out there because that's your true worship. Then he says this in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. How do we reach them? Through discipleship and help them know up front there is a cost involved in following Jesus Christ, but it is not a cost that is too difficult to bear. There are some things that you need to learn. There are some things, there are some investments. And a lot of times with talking with people today, that's exactly how they can, how, how we can, they can understand this. There are some investments in yourself, in your walk with the Lord, in your spiritual life that you need to make. If you're going to grow in the Lord and be effective and be an effective part of the kingdom through your local church, there are some investments of yourself that you need to make. I'll tell you that right up front. All of you right here, there are some investments. If you want to be involved and grow in church, there are some investments of your life that you need to make. Oh, you don't know my schedule, Pastor John. I, you know what? I know a lot of people who have schedules, so I imagine yours will probably line up right with a lot of people. You make time for what you want to make time for. And that's what he's trying to say here. I'm not asking you to put on a pair of Bermuda, Bermuda shorts, wear a, have a monkey on your head and go worship, go, go off and to be a missionary in the deepest, darkest parts of the world that have never heard. All I want you to do is follow me. All I want you to do is make me a priority, the priority in your life. That's all I want you to do. We'll get to the rest of it, but you've got to start somewhere. And he says, by making your life a living sacrifice to me, By being willing to say, okay, Lord, my life is on the table. What do you want to do with it? Now we can start the growth process. We need to reach them through discipleship. The second way is through connection. Somebody has said this before. Relationships build churches. Relationships build churches. That's our hashtag, right? I spell it out. Hashtag. Relationships build churches. And I put spaces in between it. It's true. Relationships build churches. 
You know why that's so important? Because relationships get us through difficult times. Relationships are what we lean on in difficult times. And good relationships built on a commonality of Jesus Christ that have been built on not just our, our common bond and common ground, but our common faith, those are relationships that will get us through some very, very difficult times in our lives. So that's why it's so important that we, we talk about relationships building churches. Because if we are going to help people grow, we're going to reach these thorny ground people who struggle with making those, those sacrifices, who struggle with the, the, the real sacrifice that comes along with following Jesus Christ. They need to have a connection. So when they have these questions, when they have these is when they come up against these tough times, when you come against these tough times in your life, you need to have people in the church that you can reach out to and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling with this. That's what the Bible means when it says bear one another's burdens. Bear another, one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You need to have somebody in your church a connection with somebody that you can go to in those difficult times when you're having those difficult questions. You know why we lose so many young, college, young kids out of high school? Because there's no connection for them that we've made after to keep them in, and there's no connection that they've made to keep them in. So we turn them over to a society who could care less about God. And we send them off to colleges with no protection whatsoever. And let me tell you, you sit down and listen to a college professor talk about um, things that are totally against God and totally wipe God out of the curriculum, and an impressionable mind of 18 and 19, yes, they're very impressionable. Okay? Yeah, they can fight a war for our country, but they're still kids. All college students are are teenagers that don't have a curfew. They're still kids. And they're incredibly impressionable. And unless we make connections with them, we're turning them over to a world that doesn't care about Jesus and is going to tell them so. And is going to mock the faith that they were raised with and make them turn away from God. So we need to connect with them. We need to connect with new Christians in our church. We need to connect with people that come in here. We need to all be connected. Why? Because... Most of us don't work together. Most of us don't, uh, we, we have totally different lives from each other outside of this place. And we face difficulties. And we have people that are influencing us from out of here. And we need to have those connections so when those hard questions come up. Listen, we have people in this church that have gone through a lot of different things. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's why I'm so open about my life. It's why I'm so transparent about my life. Need to know what it's like to go through divorce? <laughs> Come and ask me. I'll tell you. It sucks. Sorry if that word offends you, but it's not fun. It's no fun at all. But I can help you. I can talk to you about it. Want to know what it's like to go through other difficult forms of life? Want to know what it's like to go through the aging process and get older? Want to know what it's like to go through uh, surgery? Want to know what it's like to go through financial difficulties? Want to know what it's like to have marital difficulties? Man, there's people in this church that you can connect with that can help you walk through those ways and can help you learn to lean on your faith. Want to know what it's like 
to have to balance work and know that by taking this new position, you would take care of your family so much better, but it would take you away from your church obligations and commitments. And that's something to talk to somebody about. Truly is. I know a lot of people who have walked away because the money was much better in the world than it was in the church. These are real life things that we deal with, folks. And if we don't connect people with people in the church, and if we don't reach out and connect with them, then they're not going to come to us and we're going to lose them when those kind of issues, issues come up. We must reach out to others and help them to connect. We must help them find their value in and to the church and to the kingdom. Satan would love nothing more than to buy you off. He'd like to buy you off. Here you go. Here's a, here's a raise if you'll just take this new job. Now you won't have any opportunity to be in church anymore. But man, just think of the ease of your life. Okay. Okay. You're saying, and I know it's going to be tough to hear and people aren't going to, you're not going to like it, but you're saying that the value of a paycheck is more than my value to the kingdom of God. That's what we're saying. When we're making decisions that will take us away from church, now I'm not talking about you, you, uh, you finally find a job. I'm not talking about having to work on Sundays once in a while. I'm talking about making a decision that where you walk away from your obligations in the church just to chase money. Hey, I can go down a list of people that I've worked with and that I've had in ministry that were single. And when they found that special someone, all of a sudden church wasn't so important anymore. What you're saying is my personal happiness in a relationship, I need to have somebody to make me valuable. I need to have somebody in my life to, to give me the, uh, the, the, the validation that I need that I have value. When what we need to understand is we have value in Jesus, so much value that he died for us. We have so much value with Je to Jesus that he has given each and every one of us a role to play and a task to fulfill in his kingdom. Each and every one of you have a very specific and very special task that only you can fulfill. Now, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not very gifted. I'm not very talented. Listen, that's me. That describes me. Get me out of the sports arena, and I'm pretty much not much. Yeah, I could copy Morse code for you, but unless the Pony Express comes back, that's going to be no value either. <laughs> but we, we, we find our value in other things rather than in Jesus. And you need to understand, you are, hey man, you're more valuable than gold. You're more, you're more valuable to Jesus Christ than anything. Why? Because he gave his life for you. And he has a plan for you. Do you know that he laid out a plan? He has a plan specifically laid out for you. That if you will just surrender to him and if you'll just work through those difficulties and make the sacrifices you need to and make the choices that you need to, you'll find that plan. 
He'll lead you into that plan. He'll show you exactly where he wants you to go. We've just got to make sure that we help them find their value to the church. That's why, listen, you want to get involved? We'll find a way to connect you. You want a friend? I'll find somebody to connect you with. We'll do whatever it takes here to help you make the connection because I know sometimes in life you're hanging on by a thread. And it sure would be helpful if somebody would lower down a lifeline you can grab onto. And they'll even carry you through that time if you need to. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What do you place the most value in your life on? Is it to be comfortable? Is it to be in the right neighborhood? Is it to be in the right town so your kids can go to the right school? And because of all that, you've made sacrifices that may have be taking care of your family in a better way, but they sure aren't giving you any time to be involved in church and follow Jesus Christ. What do you see? I'm not supposed to take care of my family? That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is when you start making choices, honest, open-minded, knowing exactly what you're doing, choices that take you away from serving God, then you're walking away from being effective in his kingdom. And you're devaluing yourself in God's economy because you are no longer able to do the things that you once did. And the kingdom of God suffers. And I think one thing that we have to do practically is this. We need to develop alternative, activi alternative to activities and pursuits of the world outside the church. We need to be a place people want to be. We need to have those just get-togethers, right? We have lunch. We have lunch together. We have other things. Just places where people can get together. We need to give people options. We, as a church, need to give people options so that they can buy into what we're trying to sell here. So that they will find that connection. There must be relevant and fulfilling activities that matter, not just social clubs. One of, the, one of the biggest burdens that we had here for a long time was children's ministry. Because for a time, we had no kids. Then uh, a couple women uh, step up and do some things. Then Barb came in and developed the curriculum and, and got us to another level. And then we were able to go to another level. And, and hopefully we'll go to another level and, and uh, get to a... Why? Because... <laughs> I was a kid and I was a teenager and I remember having to sit in the service and it just wasn't something I got out. There wasn't, I got some stuff out of it, but it wasn't usually on a nine-year-old's level. So we need to have stuff, we need to have relevant activities for everybody so that we can reach everybody. And then we need to teach the truth of 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Listen, you may not like what I've had to say this morning. I wouldn't blame you, because <laughs> it's not easy. 
Try being on this side of it and looking out at a room full of faces. But I know what the Bible has to say. That if you're loving the things of the world and your pursuits are worldly and your desire is to get all you can and can all you get. And if you want to have uh, lifelong security in, in money, in a home, in anything other than Jesus Christ, then your priorities are wrong. They're just wrong. If you truly want to be a Christian that pursues Jesus Christ, you will make him first. Seek him and his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what he tells us. Folks, like I said, this is, this is the struggle I believe most Christians have, that thorny soil. Where do I find the balance? I don't, exp I, I mean, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is just going to make a change in you right now, and you're going to say, okay, great, man, I'm, I'm all set. I'm going to make those changes I need to be. But more than likely, what's going to happen is this is going to cause you to think and cause you to meditate and cause you to dig into yourself and say, is this me? Am I on this track? Am I on this path? Are there changes I need to make? That's where we come in. That's where the church comes in. And I would love to sit down and talk and see exactly what, what is going on and what God wants to do in your life. But the biggest mistake you can ever make is to get offended by these words, to get offended by what the Bible has to say, and walk away. Life and the wake of the church is filled with lives that have walked away and have become totally unfruitful for the kingdom of God because it was too much. It's tough, I'm not going to lie. But it's very bearable. It's very bearable. I challenge you to take these words, listen back to it if you have to, and pray. Don't just take it for granted. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to Convict your heart. I know that's a word we don't use much anymore. But seriously, ask the Holy Spirit to convict your heart of things that need to change so that your priorities will be straight. Because quite honestly, we need you here. We need you here. We need your gifts. We need your talents. This isn't a, a one-man show. This isn't a, a, a one-man band up here. This is a, a team effort to reach our community with Jesus Christ. We need you here. We need your gifts and talents. God blessed you with them for a reason. Let's find a way to connect you and get you plugged in. And if you're already connected and plugged in and you're doing something great, next Sunday, we're going to talk about you. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the chance to be in your house, to worship, to lift your, your name up in praise. God, there are there are some things that we just don't like to talk about anymore. Some things we don't like to address because they're difficult. But God, if we're going to be true and honest servants of yours, followers of yours, we have to address those issues. God, I pray that you'll burden us, each and every one of us, 
with a passion to follow you. Lord, would you give us the courage that it takes to look inside ourselves and ask what needs to change? What are, are my, where are my priorities off, Lord, so that we can get our priorities straight and follow you? As we leave here today, God, may we leave with a renewed sense of urgency about living for you and reaching these, this community for your kingdom. Bless us as we go, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.